Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, welcome to the Dynamic Duel podcast, where we review superhero films and debate the superiority between Marvel and DC by comparing their characters in stat-based battle simulations. I'm Marvelous Joe. And I'm his twin brother, Johnny DC. And in this episode, we are pitting Booster Gold versus Cable. Now, who is Booster Gold, you may ask? That's a good question. No one knows. He is the greatest hero that you've never heard of. I guess that's so. actually how he's built. Yeah, he's, a, he's a DC character. He, he's a time traveling character, just like Cable. He's uh, somewhat tech based using future technology, just like Cable. So yeah. we thought this was a good matchup. And we decided to go with Cable at this point because he's he's a timely character. And they didn't really go too far into Nathan Summers backstory in the Deadpool 2 movie. So we figured we would go ahead and do that here. So look forward to the character breakdowns as well as our speculation on how we think the match would go later on this episode. Right. But in this episode, we're also going to go over the comic book movie news over the past week. Although we're recording this episode a little bit early to keep our Memorial Day open, so there may be some news that's that coming out. on Memorial Day that you, you won't hear until the next episode. Right. Yeah, exactly. But we are going to talk about the Shazam and Aquaman promotional images that were released at yeah. CinemaCon yeah. Uh, this past Tuesday. And we're also going to go over the Morbius the Living Vampire logline that was released by the studio, according to the hashtag show. We're also going to be going over the the wide breadth of news that was released about the HBO Watchmen series that's going to come out. A lot of like controversial, kind of interesting kind of tidbits of information. Yeah. I don't know how the show's going to turn out now. I thought it was one thing and it's going to turn out to be a completely different thing. So we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, we want to give you guys a heads up that this Thursday we'll be releasing a bonus episode that it will be the Colin show that we've been talking to you guys about for the past month. Right. Since it's um, the fifth Thursday of the month, we're going to do something that specifically reserved for, for that fifth Thursday. Yes. Yeah. We set up a call in line for you guys to call in and a few people did. So we'll go ahead and address their questions and statements. And uh, it's going to be a video that we're going to post on our Patreon page that anyone could look at. You just have to go to patreon.com slash dynamic duel and you'll be able to see what Jonathan and I look like in real life. Um, <laughs> don't be alarmed. We probably <laughs> don't look like what you guys think we look like. Oh, yeah, we've, I've heard that a few times from the few people who, who are our patrons um, <laughs> and have seen what we really like. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah, so it'll take some adjustment period as you get used to these voices coming out of those faces. <laughs> but uh, after that, it should be good. So go ahead and check that out again at uh, patreon.com slash dynamic duel. 
And yeah, one of our goals for our Patreon account is to get to 25 patrons so that we could start mailing out physical copies of the Dynamic Duel No Prize that we award each week to listeners. I think we're at 12 right now still, so if you could go ahead and join us on Patreon, uh, it's just two bucks a month and you get a bonus episode every week. Yeah, we have some great content coming up. I'm really looking forward to your Moon Knight uh, film pitch. Yeah, we'll be recording that today, but it'll go out in a few weeks. And so look forward to that. Speaking of No Prize, it's No Prize time. A no prize is an award that Marvel used to give out up until the 90s. I think it was the 90s. I'm yeah. not sure if they're still giving them out. To fans who found continuity errors or typos in their comics. Uh, our version, the Dynamic Dual No Prize, is a digital award. It's a JPEG that we post on social media that I personally draw for those who we feel gave the best answer to our question of the week. Last week's question was... What actor hasn't had a starring role in a comic book film that is past due to star in one? We didn't get too many answers for this one. No. The one who gave the winning answer is actually Rick Story of Twitter, who gave the answer Matt Damon. For sure. Yeah, he's had a few cameo roles, uh, including most recently in Deadpool 2. Yeah. But he hasn't played a superhero yet, and he's been rumored since, you know, Goodwill Hunting to be the top pick for a lot of people for this superhero. Yeah. uh, I know a lot of people want him to be like Oliver Queen green arrow oh that'd be great yeah Yeah. specifically rick was uh saying that he should play the riddler oh yeah he'd be great as the riddler yeah he'd be a great booster gold i think yeah he probably would be yeah yeah that'd probably be although i've always wanted to see ellen tudyk and nathan fillion nathan fillion as booster gold and blue beetle respectively that's true that'd be really cool yes that's just on the dc side for the marvel side rick said that matt damon should play uh norman osborne or the owl uh yeah, those are both villains, but I could see either of those. I'm trying to think of a good hero role that he could fulfill. Like, he would have been a great, like, Clint Barton. I think he's... Yeah, he would have been a great yeah. Hawkeye. Uh, I think he's a good villain character. Yeah. Um. I mean, you look at him in, in films like uh, Interstellar. That was a good villain role. Yeah. He would have made a great Matt Murdock, too. I think he would have made a better Matt Murdock than yeah. Ben Affleck did in the 2003 movie. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Yeah. He looks has more of the look. Yeah. But yeah, right. so congrats to Rick Story for uh, winning the no prize. Yeah, we'll be asking another question of the week later on this episode, so stay tuned for that. And if you give our favorite answer, you'll get a no prize too. All right, on to the news. So last week during CinemaCon, you know, CinemaCon is a time where uh, studios can put out promotional imagery and items for like theater chains yeah Yeah. for for theater chains like toy companies to you know get the licenses for these properties Mm -hmm. so of course they have a bunch of promotional items like trailers and stuff like that that we never get to see but i I think it was zachary levi who posted the first image of shazam the first promotional official image yeah yeah so we'll start with that one it was interesting i thought the first promotional image we were going to see was going to be you know like a heroic pose with just a big goofy grin on his face or something like that This subverted my expectations by making it kind of like a casual shot of him just slurping on a a nice cold beverage. It's something I would expect more from like Deadpool marketing than I would from from Shazam. Uh, This is kind of more family friendly than any Deadpool. True. Yeah, very true. Um, But it's so different. You're right. I expected something like like showing Shazam with like Billy Batson. He looks like a teenager just kind of like chilling at the malls enjoying his beverage. Yeah, I mean, he looks cool. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, like, his lightning bolt is definitely glowing. So people who are afraid that it was just going to be, like, this bright, bright yellow. neon yellow, 
I, I think they should have their fears uh, alleviated by this image. I thought it would be a little bit more cackling, the energy that's in that lightning bolt emblem on that's his right, chest. the Kirby crackle. Yeah, the Kirby crackle, because that's how it's depicted in the comics. Yeah. This looks more like light bulbs behind the chest piece. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for all we know, this is never meant to be seen by the public. They could change it in post. They could make it very different. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just instances where he's using his powers, there's more of a crackle to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who could say? Um, but is he wearing eyeliner? Guy liner? <laughs> I don't think so. Kind of. I just like think he has thick eyelashes. I don't know. Makes him look younger. Oh, maybe. And he's definitely acting. I think like how the character would act because he is a kid, right? So I, I really hope that this isn't like the official like poster for the movie. No, gosh, I do hope that they no. go do something a little bit more heroic because I feel like this is almost kind of a turnoff for people who go to see these films. Is this the kind of character that they'll want to see? Or should they be pleasantly surprised in the theater, like going in, hoping to see a traditional superhero movie and then, you know, have those expectations subverted when you find out that it's big, the movie in superhero form. Right. It's interesting because, you know, the running joke of an in Deadpool is that the DC universe is so serious. Right. Right. You know, so when they get something marketed to them like this, something that is very not serious, something very funny in a way. You know, people complain that it's too serious, but do they want something this far at the other end of the spectrum that's funny? It needs to be funnier, I think. They need an image that's funnier than this, I think, if they want to sell this aspect of the film. Because while this is unique, it's not necessarily appealing, at least not in the way that would make me think that it's, oh, let's see the superhero enjoy his delicious red beverage. Right. (laughs) I want to see something funnier. I always wonder if, like... It's like, hey, Coca-Cola, wouldn't you love to see your logo right here? Maybe that's just why they're doing this specific, you know, straw oh, drinking cup thing. Yeah, maybe. I don't maybe. know. This what, could be AMC. What do you think? What's something funnier that a teenager does that you would like to see Shazam doing in a marketing poster? I don't know, just on his phone. Where he's just like, you know, holding a finger up. He's like, one second, I'm on my phone. I don't know. Playing video games or something? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I love the heroic sh- Shazam. To me, he's he's... Even in some ways, like, more wholesome than Superman, mm-hmm. you know? So I just love that heroic aspect to him. It's funny that he could, you know, do things like play video games and stuff like that. But, like, for a poster, I don't necessarily want to see that. I'd rather see that than him slurping on this drink. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on to Aquaman. The Aquaman Much more is serious so awesome. I really like that look. He looks... Like, he just came out of the water. Like, he just emerged from the water. His hair is, like, wet. It's flatter. It's not as, like, bushy, I guess. I don't know how to describe he it. He looks like Ocean Jesus. He does. <laughs> I, he well, does. We knew that he wasn't going to have the same armor in this movie as he no. did in Justice League. But no. this looks vastly different. This the, armor puts that armor to shame. The armor in Holy Justice shit. League was very superhero-y. They were trying to go for, like, the Asgardian look. Where, like, it looked like scales, but it was, like, shiny and metallic, so it didn't really look like something that could actually be worn, worn underwater. underwater. Yeah. yeah, yeah, probably. This this looks much better. Yeah. This armor looks very organic. Yeah. It, like, it has shells for, like, the shoulder plates. Right, right, right. It looks, it, it, I don't know if it's shells or if it's, like, coral. It's just, it's a really cool organic look for him that looks like it totally belongs in the water. It looks like it's lethal. I mean, it's, like, sharp. Yeah. It, Which kind of gives it this kind of mystical quality. A little bit. Yeah. And I'm definitely seeing more orange on there than, you know, the Justice League suit of armor. Right. Which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. It's a really cool way to incorporate 
the orange. You know, it's a very natural orange. It's not like golden, but it looks like it's just, again, coral. Yeah. This looks like something more like out of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Like those characters have some pretty interesting looks, like yeah. especially like the villains. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad they went with this, this route. And it's an interesting way to differentiate him from the other characters in Justice League, who all kind of look like they kind of went to the same superhero tailor. They did, essentially, <laughs> in a way. But um, yeah, this yeah, this definitely makes him stand out. It's definitely unique. Especially when, you know, he's side by side next to Shazam. He looks really good. It gives me really high hopes for the quality of the film. Yeah, I can't wait for that trailer. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of films in development, we got the official logline for Morbius the Living Vampire. Apparently this is still an ongoing project uh, on behalf of Sony, who is trying to develop a kind of cinematic universe involving all of the adjacent Spider-Man characters right so that includes the venom movie that's coming out in october that includes this silver and black movie that's hopefully never being made and (laughs) it also includes this morbius movie which actually i'm probably most interested in out of all of them yeah because this is the one where like i don't mind if this is its own separate thing right because venom is so much i equate so much with spider-man but morbius not so much i equate him more along with like teaming up with blade and stuff like that than being a spider-man villain even though he has done that but the the official logline i'll go ahead and read it horror action story of a scientist who in trying to find a cure for a rare blood disease accidentally transformed himself into a living vampire who though disgusted by his own bloodlust chooses to prey upon criminals he deems unworthy of life so it's that sounds cool yeah yeah it sounds really cool actually i want to see them really dive deep into the horror aspect of some of these comic book properties uh we know that they're doing that in the x-men universe with the new mutants and stuff like that but that was never really a horror franchise to begin with right this one is though and so i think you could take it even further i want to see this like a a gothic horror style i think that would be really cool because that's never been done with the superhero franchise outside of like you know something like the crow something like that i think would be fantastic for this character They're looking for someone in the age range of 30 to 37 to cast as the main character. So that kind of shoves aside the person I wanted to play the role, which was Luke Evans, because he's 39 years old. So he's already Dracula. Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted him to do this. But yeah, I don't know who they're going to cast now, but I'm always interested in hearing more about that particular story, because I think that's a spinoff that's worthy of being made by Sony. So yeah. And I don't know if he's going to, you know, if we're going to see any other Spider-Man characters, but I almost hope that maybe like in exchange for something else, maybe Sony can get the temporary film rights to Blade and include him in the movie, too, because I think those two characters have a unique dynamic and mesh so well together. Is Morbius a villain? Is he considered a villain? Well, yeah, when, well, when he succumbs to his bloodlust, yeah, he is. But he tries not to. So I was he's thinking, an anti-hero. I was thinking like it would be a really cool match because for our Halloween episodes, we usually do like villain against villain. At least that's what we've done for the past two years. Yeah. I was thinking like this year we could do like Morbius versus like Man Bat or something. But yeah, that'd sure. be great. We should do that. All right. Uh, moving on to the Watchmen news. Yeah, so the showrunner of Watchmen, uh, Damon Lindelof, who's also done HBO shows like The, the Leftovers, which is apparently really good. I've never seen it. I've heard good things. Yeah, but he's revealed that the Watchmen television series that he's developing, it's not going to adapt the comic series. The original 12-issue series by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons? Right, it's going to be its own original thing set in in modern times. Modern times? Yeah. So, you know, the Watchmen series huh. was uh, took place in the 80s, right. as did the movie by Zack Snyder. This is sort of a sequel. He's not calling it a sequel, though. He's He's saying it's the New Testament to Alan Moore's Old Testament that was Watchmen. Hmm. So he's kind of carrying the themes, apparently. But we're going to see the world that was created by uh, Ozymandias 
just have that as like a backdrop to the story. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like DC is already doing what could be considered a, like a sequel to Watchmen That's right true. now in Doomsday Clock. And that comic is fantastic. But I don't think you could adapt it yet to a movie. It's, it's a really good story. So I'm, I'm really wondering how this fits. Like we were mentioning in the last episode, this isn't necessarily anything I asked for. You right, know? this original Watchmen story. In the letter that Damon Lindelof wrote to the fans, like it was a really good letter. Mm -hmm. Like he was mentioning how he's been approached several times to adapt a Watchmen television series. And he's basically said no, because Alan Moore wouldn't want that. And he's such a huge fan of the comic. And his dad was such a huge fan of the comic. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was telling a story of like how his dad spent like 30 bucks to buy early scripts from back like in the late 80s early 90s of the Watchmen movie that they wanted to make and he was just like it was just horrendous like they were fighting the final battle was supposed to take place at like the Statue of Liberty or something like that yeah it was just ridiculous so he's you know been saying that like he's always had this apprehension to adapting Watchmen because things like that happened their studio involvement he was telling a story of how when they initially asked him to adapt uh, Watchmen to a series his answer was basically, no, just, you know, it doesn't need to be adapted. Just let sleep, sleeping dogs lie mm-hmm. with tire tread over burst stomach, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then, like, the studio, studio executive was like, what? What? <laughs> what? What does that mean? And then later on, he was saying, I don't want to adapt it. Again, as I mentioned earlier, because Ellen Moore said he doesn't want that. And then another studio executive was like, well, who's Ellen Moore? What? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so they're approaching, you know filmmakers with with these properties they don't know anything about yeah so that's always been his apprehension so he's definitely a fan of the comic and so i understand why he's doing it again i just don't know if i'm interested in it well it sounds like he had his heart is in the right place at least i do think that in the world of watchmen there are certainly more tales to be told yeah and they sort of did that with before watchmen as well yeah i mean i'm all for a good story if they're able to do that that's fine I'm not, like, unhappy with this. If it was anyone other than Damon Lindelof, I, I might be. Uh-huh. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it yet. The cast... Cautiously so, optimistic. Yeah, the cast so far is shaping up pretty well. Oh, yeah? The starring role is going to Regina King, who was a part of The Leftovers. Okay. Um, she was also in American Crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also Don Johnson, who you may Miami know Vice from guy. Miami Vice or yeah. Django Unchained. Um, Tim Blake Nelson, who is in The Incredible the Hulk. The leader. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And it's also going to have uh, Academy Award winner Louis Gossett Jr., which is pretty cool. Gossett Jr. was in the Punisher movie, if I remember. Oh, really? Yeah. He was like the detective in the 1989 Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren. Oh. He was the, the detective who was trying to find the Punisher. Oh, well, they have a really commendable cast. Yeah. There's a few other names. Uh, Adelaide Clemens and Andrew Howard. I'm not sure who they are. But, you know, it, it looks like it's going to be a good cast. And because it's on HBO, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. All right. I think that brings us to our question of the week. Who is your favorite original character that didn't make their debut in the comics, but rather in a DC or Marvel television series or film? So we're looking for original characters from the TV shows or the films right. that you think were the best. Uh, go ahead and post your answer to our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or email us at dynamicduelpodcast at gmail.com. We'll pick our favorite answer and draw that person a Dynamic Duel no prize that we'll post to social media next right. week. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health, 
Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I think that does it for the news. So Mm -hmm. let's uh, get on to the Booster Gold versus Cable. All right. Alright, Booster Gold versus Cable, a fight for the ages. I think it'll be a good fight. I like this fight because the characters are not similar whatsoever, but they have a lot of similarities, if that makes sense. Like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> makes zero sense. This isn't one of those fights where like the, the characters are basically copies of each other, where they have the same oh, exact abilities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, these two characters have very different powers, very different personalities, very different everything. Very different personalities. But what they have in common is that they're both from the future, they both employ future tech, and they both generally can accomplish the same objectives with the powers, the power set that they have. And even their tech is somewhat similar. I mean, they both have force fields, they both, you know, shoot lasers. Right. So there's a lot of similarities there that people may not have realized. Right. So if this is your first time listening to one of our dual episodes, what we do is we go over the backstory and powers of each individual character in the fight. And then uh, what we do is we speculate on how we think a fight between those two characters would go. And then we actually find out who would win by compiling each character's stats and running them in 1000 simulations using a probabilistic model known as the Monte Carlo method, where essentially it plots those stats, uh, it randomizes them along a bell curve, and then we add up the figures, compare them against each other, and determine the winner. Right, so it's it's stat-based. You know, it's We're both really biased for Marvel and DC, <laughs> so it has to stick to math. There's no fan votes, no uncharacteristic feats of strength. Yeah, and then we just kind of settle upon what the numbers say and and accept our fates, (laughs) whether we love it or hate it. We get most of our stats from the Marvel power rankings, the official Mm -hmm. Marvel power rankings. Yeah, the grid. Um, And we extrapolate DC stats from those. And we also account for additional stats that we think are relevant to the battle. Correct. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and get into the backstory of Booster Gold, a character I don't know much about uh, and I'm interested in hearing about. So uh, Booster Gold's real name is Michael John Carter, and he is billed as the greatest hero you've never heard of. For good reason. He may very well be the most important character within the DC universe. What? Yeah, so born in the 25th century Gotham City, Michael's father, Jonar, was a gambling addict who abandoned Michael and his twin sister, Michelle, when they were just four years old, leaving their mother with a massive gambling debt that would leave their family in financial struggle for decades. Michael earned the nickname Booster because he was always looking for ways to make a quick buck. The nickname stayed with him even into college, where he became a star football player for Gotham University with the potential to make it to the professional leagues. (laughs) He attended on a full-ride scholarship, and his fame helped pay off family debt and medical bills for his sick mother. But his success also caught the attention of his father, Jonar, who convinced Michael 
to purposefully throw games in order to make money off of betting. Oh no. Michael was caught and sentenced to jail. He served his sentence and, with his athletic career now in shambles, he became a janitor for a museum in Metropolis. After countless nights staring at exhibits about superheroes of the 20th and 21st centuries and the curated displays of some of their tools and weapons, Michael hatched his greatest get-rich-quick scheme yet. He convinced a security drone named Skeets to help- Skeet, Skeet, Skeets? Oh my gosh, <laughs> you're just waiting for that. <laughs> I've never heard of the character before, so I wasn't. Wow. It's just a gut reaction whenever I hear that word. <laughs> so, uh, the security drone was named Skeets, and he, he asked him to help him borrow some of the superhero equipment, including a flight ring, a force field generating belt, wrist blasters, and a power suit capable of time travel. Their plan? Travel to the 20th century, become the greatest heroes the world has ever known, and cash in on their success. And it worked, initially. With Skeet's internal database of historical events, they were able to be in the right location at the right time to save the day. Dubbing himself Gold Star, Michael's first heroic act involved saving the President of the United States from a supervillain named Chiller. To thank him, the President awarded him a medal on national television. Though Michael was nervous when the President asked what his name was, and accidentally said, uh, Booster, no, Gold, and the president, <laughs> the president cut him off and introduced Booster Gold to the world and to history. I have to say Gold Star is a better name than Booster Gold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is a Even he knows that. Yeah. <laughs> he just had to go with it. Yeah. He didn't want to embarrass the president. Yeah. Uh, so in the limelight, Booster was on his way to becoming rich and famous, though he was swindled out of his money by an agent that he had hired, a publicity agent. Booster eventually joined the Justice League and became close friends with the gadgeteering hero Blue Beetle, real alias Ted Kord. The two often had to fight for the respect of their fellow League members, however, as they often found themselves in wacky hijinks that ended up getting them into trouble more often than not. He and the Justice League were among the first heroes to encounter the unstoppable villain Doomsday, who actually got his name from Booster Gold. Mm -hmm. You can learn more about Doomsday in our Doomsday vs. Hulk podcast episode. Mm -hmm. Doomsday's attacks depleted Booster's force field over time, and his power suit and gear were destroyed. Blue Beetle was able to build Booster a new suit, though it wasn't as powerful, it was much bulkier, and it often malfunctioned. He lost his right arm while fighting a villain named the Overmaster, and he had another suit built for him which included a cybernetic arm. What? Yeah. This didn't last long, however. What as a ripoff. <laughs> as a time-traveling supervillain named Monarch restored his arm. Oh, okay. He had several more suits constructed for him over time, including one made from Skeets. But skeet, 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 skeet. Oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but they never quite matched his original power-wise. Mm -hmm. After the fallout of the Identity Crisis storyline in which Batman created a hyper-aware satellite, Brother Eye, after learning that his Justice League teammates had been mind-wiping supervillains and himself, Booster decided it was time for him to return to his home time, when most of his teammates were wiped out by the rogue Brother Eye satellite sleeper cybernetic soldiers known as the Omax. And because of Identity Crisis, he was kind of disillusioned with, with his superhero comrades in general. Mm -hmm. Booster reappeared soon after with a new power suit and skeets, now with the updated historical record and the solution to destroying the Brother Ice satellite and its OMAX. He also filled in for Superman as Metropolis's protector when he lost his powers for a year. This time, 
sporting patches from numerous business sponsors on his outfit, sort of like a NASCAR <laughs> driver. While trying to compete with a new superhero named Supernova who showed up on the scene, Booster made the bad choice of hiring an actor to pose as a supervillain. The fraud was exposed, however, and Booster hit a new low when he lost all of his sponsors. <laughs> Attempting to reclaim some glory, Booster saved Metropolis from a nuclear explosion, seemingly sacrificing himself in the blast. But it turns out it was all a ruse. Supernova was actually Booster in disguise from another time. The charade was put on with the help from the time traveler Rip Hunter, and it was all done in order to help stop Mr. Mind, who had taken control of Skeets, from consuming the newly established 52 DC universes, which Booster had discovered. So Booster Gold maintained his petty cash-grabbing facade in order to continue his mission of protecting the multiversal timelines with Rip Hunter and fulfill his destiny as the greatest Time Master to ever exist, whose exploits can never be known in order to prevent other time travelers from interfering. It was also to protect his family, including Rip Hunter, who was revealed to be Booster's son. From their base that existed outside of time and space known as the Vanishing Point, Booster went on countless adventures, keeping the timelines of other important superhero histories intact. <laughs> so he doesn't want to make himself too popular because he's afraid that other time travelers will come after him? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of ironic in that like he became a superhero for the success, but he has this arc where he kind of has to go counter to that. He can't be a success, otherwise his mission will be a failure. It's kind of interesting. He's had an interesting arc. So Booster and Rip were among the few to survive the flashpoint that irrevocably altered space-time. Booster's powers became unstable, and he began spontaneously transporting throughout different timelines across the multiverse and aging rapidly. The Booster Gold from the New 52's Prime Universe was recruited by Rip to help his father, and they managed to return the original Booster Gold to the vanishing point, at which point Booster's Chronal Affliction evolved him into the new Wave Rider. What is Chronal Affliction? Oh, it's the disease that's making him age? Yeah. Okay. Yes, so he became the new Wave Rider, who is a being capable of perceiving all of time and time traveling freely without consequence. Hmm. The prime version of Booster Gold has taken up the mantle as the protector of the timelines and is rumored to play a major role in dealing with Dr. Manhattan's reality alterations in the Rebirth era. Interesting. Yeah, so... Sounds uh, complicated. It is. Time travel always is. Yeah. Same um, with Cable. So. But uh, power-wise, Booster Gold has no innate supernatural abilities. His powers stem from his equipment, which typically includes a Legion flight ring, allowing him to fly, a force field generator, which he can also use to entrap individuals or objects, or move them like a tractor beam. Uh, he has wrist blasters, which can fire powerful energy beams, and a power suit that not only grants him super strength, enhanced durability, and the ability to time travel, but it also has goggles and other features that essentially grant him enhanced senses, including the ability to see throughout the electromagnetic spectrum. How strong is he? Uh, it varies. I've heard anything between 20 tons to 200 tons. What? Yeah. That's a big difference. And he's had various suits throughout the years. So that might be the reason for that difference. But yeah, in his most recent suit, he did carry a 747 plane. Oh, wow. So he's pretty strong. All right. But he, I would say he's more durable than strong, uh -huh. if anything. He relies more on his force field most of the time. Cool. 
there were some similarities in the story to Cable, like the whole cybernetic arm thing. I yeah. was like, what yeah. is happening? <laughs> but also, you know, like the, his ability to see through the electromagnetic spectrum and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we'll go ahead and go into to Cable. So, Nathan Christopher Charles Summers is the future's most influential hero and the world's most powerful psychic mutant. But Unfortunately, he, he has to use all that power on a daily basis toward just keeping himself alive. That handicap of sorts doesn't stop him from being a total badass, though. He often believes that the ends justify the means, which sometimes causes him to be ruthless. But he's an effective hero, and I think that his triumph over his limitations is a big part of the appeal of the character. Uh, let me go into Cable's backstory. So, an X-Men villain named Mr. Sinister could sense the powerful potential in mutant Jean Grey as a child, and he wanted to kidnap her for his own evil purposes. Since she was already working with Professor X, whom Sinister saw as a threat, he decided to clone Jean Grey instead. He named the clone Madeline Pryor. When Scott Summers, Cyclops, believed Jean was dead after the Dark Phoenix saga, she wasn't really, it was just the Phoenix's manifestation of Jean that died, Mr. Sinister set it up so that Scott and Madeline would meet and fall in love. They had a child named Nathan that Mr. Sinister kidnapped to train as a weapon to use against Apocalypse. Luckily, Scott was able to rescue the child, and he cared for Nathan alongside uh, revived Jean Grey. Nathan's real mother at this time, Madeline, had at this point turned into the evil Goblin Queen. Scott and Jean discovered that the infant was able to form a telekinetic force bubble around himself, and they took him on missions with X-Factor. Oh, jeez. So th they weren't the best parents. <laughs> so not surprising, little infant Nathan was captured by Apocalypse, who poisoned him with a techno-organic virus that would consume his body with cybernetics and kill him. At that point, a visitor from the future arrived and told Scott and Jean that she could care for Nathan in her timeline. They decided to give up their child to save him, and he was brought to the future. A future where Apocalypse ruled the Earth and where Nathan was prophesied to defeat him. There, an alternate timeline version of his sister Rachel put him in an incubation chamber to halt the spread of the techno-organic virus. Afraid that he wouldn't survive, she had Nathan cloned. However, the child did survive, and the clone ended up captured and raised by Apocalypse, who named him Stripe, who would become one of Nathan's greatest enemies. Rachel brought Scott and Jean into the future, where they went by the names Slim and Red to hide from Apocalypse. They were able to continue raising Nathan, whom they knew they would one day meet again in the past as Cable. Jean taught Nathan how to use his telekinetic abilities to stop the spread of the techno-organic virus which at this point had consumed much of the left side of his body, including his left arm, making him look like a cyborg. He learned that he would have to sacrifice the complete use of his powers toward containing the virus and keeping himself alive. Scott and Jean trained him to be a skilled warrior despite his disadvantage, and Nathan was able to fulfill his destiny of killing future Apocalypse alongside his parents, who were then pulled back into their own timeline. With Apocalypse gone, a power struggle between Nathan and his clan, called the Chosen, and Strife's clan, called the New Canaanites, emerged. The two clashed in a long war that claimed many of the lives of Nathan's friends and his wife, Aaliyah. With the New Canaanites on the verge of losing the war, Strife fled back in time to the late 20th century. Nathan followed him and took on the new moniker, Cable. He traveled back and forth between the present and future to foil Strife's plans and preserve the timeline. He formed a team called the Six Pack to fight Strife, where he <laughs> first met and began a relationship with Domino. And you can learn more about Domino in our Domino vs. Harley Quinn fight. Yeah. Later, he reorganized the team called the New Mutants into the X-Force. They often fought against Strife's own mutant team called the Mutant Liberation Front. 
Their new war in this timeline resulted in both of them being sucked into a time vortex where Stripe's body was destroyed and Cable was lost in the time stream, later rescued and brought back to his future timeline. He time-traveled back to the present after discovering someone used his time displacement core and reunited with X-Force. He learned about his early past as an infant from Mr. Sinister during a fight and subsequently bonded with Cyclops. Cable joined the primary X-Men team when Cyclops temporarily went missing after a battle with Apocalypse. With Jean Grey's help, Cable was able to defeat Apocalypse again and bring Cyclops back. I thought Apocalypse was dead. Future Apocalypse. Okay. This is present Apocalypse. During the House of M event, Cable was de-aged to an infant raised by Mr. Sinister. Deadpool was able to rescue Cable and an extract from his immune system was used to re-age Cable, sparing him the results of M-Day when the Scarlet Witch rid the world of mutants. The first mutant child to be born after M-Day was sought after by many groups seeking to kill, experiment, or use her. In the end, Cable rescued her and brought her to the future to raise her as his adopted daughter. He named her Hope Summers. So that's pretty much his history. Powers-wise, Cable is the world's foremost telekinetic and telepathic mutant. Mm -hmm. Even though his powers are hampered due to their constant use to hold back the techno-organic virus, he can still relinquish them to perform psychic acts, though doing so on a large scale poses a danger to himself. For example, Cable technically has the power to telekinetically control matter on a subatomic scale, and has the power to lift hundreds of tons with his mind. Typically, he can't do that without nearly killing himself. Simple feats such as telekinetically enhancing his physical strikes, creating telekinetic shields, calling smaller objects like his gun to himself, short-range concussive blasts, telekinetic-assisted leaps, etc., those are no problem. Telepathically, he's potentially capable of planetary mind-reading, well. even without the use of Cerebro. But again, typically he's limited to like Jedi mind tricks, mental detection, and psychic shielding. Due to his partially cybernetic body, including much of his left side, his internal organs, central nervous system, and entire skeletal structure, they're, they're all cybernetic. Mm. This grants him enhanced speed, durability, reflexes, and strength. Even without telekinesis, he can lift 10 tons with his left arm. His cybernetic left eye can see through the electromagnetic spectrum, and his mind can interface with computers and even access Wi-Fi. He can also repair and restructure his cybernetic components at will. Weapons-wise, he always carries one or more big-ass plasma rifles. Uh, he carries explosives and a pair of knives. He typically also carries what's called a scimitar, spelled with a P. Scimitar. Oh, scimitar. <laughs> which is like a lance through which he can focus his psychic abilities into a force-blasting weapon. He also possesses some future tech that allows him to body slide, which is just another word for teleport. And that's pretty much everything that he can do. So I bet that you are pretty nervous right now. <laughs> Okay, so I have a, a big question for you. Yeah. Does Booster Gold get skeets in this match? No. Fuck. Because we don't take stats for additional characters on the field, acting independently of each other, so. All right. That doesn't seem fair, but whatever. <laughs> um, okay, so the rules we have for these matches is that, one, we don't account for environment. Right. It's a variable that could affect the outcome of the battle. Mm -hmm. So it's a variable that we don't account for. For example, when Spider-Man beat Superboy in the 90s, Marvel versus DC Comics, the only reason he won is because they happened to be fighting at a power plant. Right. And Superboy got electrocuted. Uh -huh. So that's bullshit. And that won't be <laughs> happening here. Um, yeah, we just assume that the fights take place in no environment whatsoever, or right. at least an environment that doesn't play any sort of role within the match itself. Right. We also have the characters appear in this no environment about 50 meters apart or 50 yards apart, I should so, say. Yeah, about the same thing. Yeah. 
Um, and they don't know anything about each other. They just know that they need to stop the other person, essentially. Right. Yeah. So let's get this started. So Cable and Booster Gold, 50 yards apart. Who makes the first move? Booster Gold is very much, he's not the bravest person. No. <laughs> Right, he's well, kind of a coward. Cable might be the opposite of that. He's extremely brave, so I think he would actually make the first move in this fight. Yeah. So I, I'm going to start off not with his gun, but he's going to be carrying his lance. So he's going to have his scimitar, and the gun's going to be strapped to his back. And so he's going to charge toward Booster Gold, carrying the scimitar, like leap forward with it and attempt to stab him. Okay. But he's still pretty far away. So yeah, but I mean, like he can move really fast, actually, uh, due to telekinesis. He can kind of like propel himself forward. He can't necessarily fly because it's too much of a strain on his psychic abilities. Yeah. But he can like super jump. But he can teleport leap, too, right? And he can teleport. Yeah. But yeah, he's going to telekinetically propel himself forward, lance out toward Booster Gold in an attempt to stab him. Okay, well, Booster Gold sees him coming, and so that's when he fires up his wrist blaster and blasts Cable. Midair? Yeah. Okay, so how powerful are Booster Gold's blasts? They're pretty powerful. Are they? They're not, like, the most powerful lasers ever. Are they, like, repulsor blasts or something? Yeah, it's, it's comparable to, to Iron Man's repulsor blasters. Okay, so he knocks Cable down with his energy blast. Yeah. Cable falls to the ground, Realizes he's not going to be able to reach him just through jumping alone. So he hurls this the scimitar while it's charged with psychic energy. And it'll release a potent force blast as it approaches him. He kind of throws it like a missile. Uh-huh. So as it's flying toward Booster Gold, as it approaches him, A, it's either going to stab him, or B, it's going to explode and uh, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> or C, Booster Gold sees it coming, activates his force field. His force field is always on. It's not always like an energy bubble. Uh -huh. It's just always around him, and it's clear. But he could expand it to become like a bubble. So it's always on him. Okay. So as it's coming close, you know, he expands his force field, and the, the force of it, you know, will maybe send him back, mm -hmm. but it's not going to hurt him. So then he just flies back towards the battle, and he's in the air, and he fires down some blasts at Cable. And Cable throws up his own force field to block the shots. Now, can Booster Gold's force field be overloaded? Yes. All of his equipment are reliant upon these batteries, essentially. Uh -huh. Future batteries. I think they're on his belt. Although, maybe they're not. I think that originally they were on his belt. But, like, currently in the comics, you know, like, it's a skin-tight suit. Mm -hmm. So, Although, I, I bet you that Cable, during the match thus far through his electromagnetic spectrum visibility, he's able to scan the suit and determine the location of those batteries just through their variance within the spectrum. Oh, okay. Okay, so, you know, as he's scanning him, Booster Gold was scanning him too, <laughs> and was scanning the, uh, fuck, what was, his, what was Cable's weakness? Cable doesn't have a weakness, except he's, his own techno-organic virus. He was just uh, scanning actually, his, his metal, his bits. body. <laughs> Okay, where were we? So he blocks the blast with his own force field, Cable does. Right. And at that point, he unstraps his gun from his back, his big-ass laser gun, and starts firing back uh, with his own plasma bolts. Okay, well, Booster Gold is in the air. He's dodging them, or he's force fielding them. He's blocking them with his force field. And Cable's doing the same thing. He's pulling up his force field and shooting his plasma blasts, and they just keep doing well, that. Well, can he hold his force field and shoot at the same time? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't need to raise his arm to throw up the force field. It's a mental telekinetic. Okay, so this is going to go on forever. <laughs> um, I don't, they I just, just don't see, shooting at each other. I don't see Booster Gold, like, making this uh, physical confrontation. Okay, here, here's what happens. Booster Gold uh, extends his force field down to Cable, and lifts him up in a bubble, uh -huh. and lifts him up really high into the sky, uh -huh. and then, like, throws down his arm, because he, he emits his force field from his arm, yeah. and then he slams Cable to the ground. 
Okay, so right before he gets slammed to the ground, he teleports out of the force field bubble. Can't do that. Why? Because you said it's, it's more like a slide, right? He's like still physically there. Oh, that's a good question. That is a very good question. Yeah, it's not like Nightcrawler where he like disappears into another dimension right. and then reappears somewhere else. Right. It's more like his atoms shuffle through space to another location. Right. Although I think I've seen him teleport through a barrier because his atoms could go so small probably that they slip through that force field. If they could go through the force field, they would. No, his force fields are airtight. Airtight? Oh, they're... They, they can't be... Yeah, they're airtight. Okay. Okay, so he gets slammed to the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah, he does. He's pretty durable, though. So, I don't know. God, that was a good move. <laughs> I think at this point, he's going to go ahead and do a telepathic move where he makes Booster Gold think that he's lying injured on the ground. So Booster Gold goes up to him. It's like a mental illusion kind of Jedi trick thing. Okay. So Booster Gold goes up to him to, like, finish him off when all of a sudden Cable attacks him from the back and stabs him with one of his knives. Okay, well, he can't stab him because he has the force field on. Even, in, like, in the back of his neck, he doesn't have a helmet. Yeah, he doesn't wear armor. He has a force field enveloping his whole body. Including his head? Yeah. Oh, shit. Did you think it was just over, like, his chest? No, it's, it's over his entire body. Okay, so he tries to stab him in the back of the neck and it ends up not working because he realizes that the force field goes around his entire body. Yeah, although he probably would have known that already because he could see the force field on the electromagnetic spectrum. Yep. So I'm an idiot. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of what he could actually do. Maybe he, uh, at that point, he dissolves the illusion and attacks him telepathically with like a telepathic bolt. Okay. And like stuns him. He's like, ah, my brain. Okay. <laughs> that was a pretty good move. I like that one. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Booster Gold is, is uh, definitely stunned. What does Cable do next? Oh, at that point, he attaches like a big explosive device to the battery location and detonates it. I don't even know where the battery location is. Well, Cable does, so it doesn't matter if you don't know. <laughs> All he needed to do is stun him so that he can... I actually think to... it's on his wrists. Oh, is it? Yeah. Crap. Okay, so that would probably... So it kind of like short circuits his force field a little bit. Yeah. Oh, well, okay, so I mean, if you take out one wrist, then that's just taking out half his power supply. Okay. Alright, so... Shit. Yeah. I don't know if I like where this is going. <laughs> what is Booster Gold gonna do? Um, okay, so Booster Gold cranks up his, his one remaining blaster to, like, full power, and he tries to, like, weld off Cable's arm because he, he's holding down the trigger, so it's, like, one constant beam. It's not just, like, a blast, but it's a constant beam. And he's just going right through Cable's arm. What is Cable's metal arm made of? Uh, cybernetics. Okay, cool. It's going right through that metal. <laughs> right through that fucking metal. What is Cable doing while this is happening? He's just gonna let him? He's like, oh, my arm! I'm just standing here. I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think at that point, he's been hit like three or four times now. Yeah. So he's pretty badly damaged. He may have exhausted a lot of his psychic potential. Has he? I don't know. It's if, one he, if he uses it too much too often, he'll like pass out. Good. So we don't want that to happen. So yeah, I don't want to do any more psychic attacks, but I think if they're still in close proximity, while Booster Gold is attempting to rip off Cable's cybernetic arm, Cable is going to throw a knife, and since Booster Gold's force field is on the fritz, it's going to go through the force field and stab him. Okay. All right. No, I just I had a thought, though. What? Could you fool Booster Gold, like, telepathically? Because yes. his sensors wouldn't be fooled. 
Yeah, you can fool Booster Gold telepathically. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. You probably could. You're just giving him false sensor readings. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, exactly. It seems like a lot of work. I don't it's know. not. It's not that much. All right. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. <laughs> honestly, he gets stabbed. Booster Gold is basically just gonna blast in Force Field the rest of the match, but of course his Force Field is on the Fritz. But Cable, it's not like he's faring much better because his arm is basically hanging by a thread, and he's like psychically worn out. Yeah. But he uses his last bit of psychic energy before he passes out to, you know, the scimitar that was on, uh, it's on the ground now. Yeah. From, from earlier when he threw it at him earlier. Yeah. He lifts it up and flings it right at Booster Gold's other battery pack on his wrist. But he's so worn out that he misses <laughs> and it hits a place where the force field is activated. So it doesn't hurt him. Let's take it to the stats. All right. We're going to go ahead and uh, compile the stats and run a thousand simulations and come back with the winner. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com. Casino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. So this was a tough one to try to get the stats for. Yeah, for cable, at for least. For cable. Because I kind of had to like expand the bell curve to account for his typical feats and his most powerful feats. Right. Uh, in the end, you know, we didn't go too powerful with him thinking that in this fight that he would choose instead to avoid a double KO where he does a super powerful psychic feat and then knock himself out. Uh, instead, we figured that he would do what I did in the match where he would do smaller psychic feats spread out so that, you know, he wouldn't uh, risk injury to himself and knowing that he's an entirely capable fighter without the use of his powers whatsoever. In reality, I think Cable could probably destroy Booster Gold like pretty fast, but again, you're right, he would knock himself out in the process resulting in a double KO. So these results are going to be what would happen if Cable didn't do that. If he, these were his, his average stats. Yeah, and which I think is really typical for the character. It's it's only once in a great while that you'll see him do something as big as lift a space station into the sky or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. They yeah, save it for yeah, special moments. Yeah, they save it for special moments. So, And also, for those who may be wondering, time travel didn't really play a factor into this match, even though they both have the ability to to time travel they have the technology to do so right mainly because if you know one time travels the other one could just time travel as well and uh, the match would never end oh you know what i should have done what like right when cable like fired off one of his blasters he'd be like well fuck that and he goes back in time <laughs> i should have done that and then cable follows him all right but also typically uh, at least in, in cable's sake he doesn't use time travel while fighting it's mainly used as like a mode of transportation kind of it's between. the same way for booster gold as well like he's had his suits damaged before and he may not have traveled because his suit was damaged 
but it's just not normal for the character to be like, oh, redo. Yeah. It's not like, you know, the Prince of Persia where right. he just like rewinds time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were comparable in quite a few of their stats. We said that Booster Gold was slightly faster and stronger, yeah. even though Cable's really fast. Uh, we said that Cable's a better fighter because Booster Gold doesn't really do hand-to-hand combat that much, right? No, no. Yeah, there, there were just a lot of tits, tits for tats, essentially. <laughs> that sounded weird. All right, <laughs> so the winner of the Booster Gold Cable fight is... Cable. Ah! Cable won 533 matches out of 1,000. Booster Gold won 467. So 53.3% of the time... Cable will win. It's, it is fairly close. That's really close. Is it closer than you thought it would be? Yeah, it was. Definitely. Yeah. And of course, this is accounting for, for, for typical fights. Cable. Yeah. Yeah. So that does it for this episode, I guess. Uh, next time your friends randomly ask you out of the blue, hey, I wonder who would win a fight between Booster Gold and Cable, you could tell them with absolute certainty that Cable would win 533 times out of 1,000. So yeah, until Booster Gold goes back in time to restart the match, and then it's just like this never-ending time loop that creates like <laughs> all these weird like temporal anomalies and stuff, and it just destroys the universe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just tell them that. <laughs> all right, and go ahead and subscribe. Tell your friends about the show if you uh, liked what you hear. Uh, if you know somebody who is also interested in Marvel and DC and you think would get a kick out of this kind of stuff, go ahead and share it with them uh, either through social media or you know in person. Social media would be cool. Social media would be cool because you could reach lots of people that way. Yeah. So just saying. Do that. Yeah, maybe <laughs> post one of the episodes or something. So in our next episode, next week's episode, we will be doing a review of X-Men Origins Wolverine. We're kind of continuing this whole kind of like Deadpool, Deadpool wave. Yeah, wave. And we're going to have special guests, John and Adam Spees from the Blast from Our Past podcast. Now, Adam Spees has guested with us one time before when we reviewed yeah. Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, but since that time, they have started their own podcast, and it'll be just so freaking awesome to have them both on. Four voices at once, just going. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, really great, insightful guys, so look forward to that next time. We all hate X-Men Origins Wolverine. I have yet to see it, so I'm, I, I don't know if I'm looking forward to seeing it. I am looking forward to shitting on it. So, What if it turns out that you actually like the film? No. No, nope, I don't see that happening at you all. You should do that. You should like be the contrarian, like fight for this film as the DC guy. No, yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> it's uh, not often I get a shit on a Marvel movie. So, yeah. all right, so yeah, go ahead and visit dynamicduel.com. You can check out all of our social media links there, as well as links to our merch store, where Jonathan has posted some new updated versions of our T-shirts that are really cool. Yeah, the Vitruvian designs are now colored. And I pose a challenge to anyone who can name all the characters from the Vitruvian designs, both the male and the female. You will earn my respect. Okay. That doesn't seem that motivating, but all right. All right. Uh, don't forget that if you go on to stitcher.com slash premium and use promo code dual, you'll get a full free month of Stitcher Premium where you can listen to every episode of Wolverine the Long Night, which is a great show. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Yep. Up, up, and away. True believers. <laughs>